even if you build it. Will the Marlins fans come? Lone Depot being packed out this week. Tons of action. A lot of fun. A lot of fans. Gets everyone thinking. What's the one thing? What is the one thing you think of when you ask a non-Marlins fan? What do they say to you when you say, tell me one word about the Marlins? What do they say? Fans or lack of? Will the Marlins ever, ever, ever get to a situation where they are filling the ballpark on a daily basis through the regular season? I don't think so. We're going to talk about that today. Plus, big news. Bobby Witt Jr. signs a huge deal. Will the Marlins ever sign a similar huge deal with anyone? Plus, there's another plus here. Shortstop market. Rumors now the Marlins are in on the free agent market after a potential Orioles deal closes. Tons to get into. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's your daily Marlins pod. I'm your host, of course, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Happy Monday, guys. If you're listening to the pod, of course, hit subscribe. This is your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. Of course, there's a YouTube channel, guys. Make sure you hit subscribe over there, too. The YouTube channel is Locked On Marlins. Hit subscribe and enjoy the graphics and the images. Flying solo for now on a Monday, but. We're packing in the episodes this week. Tons of content coming at you. Even though it feels slow, a lot of things in baseball are happening. And it's interesting to kind of consider how this connects to the Marlins. Everything connects to the Marlins somehow, right? There's like the five degrees of separation. And I think within three degrees of separation, you find a Marlins connection. Maybe two degrees. I don't know. Um, This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. You can make every moment more. New customers, yes, new customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And guys, if you have the graphics, you will see. If you listen to my intro, you will know where we're going with this episode. Oh, man, and we have to start with this one topic. So... Every once in a while, predominantly when there are non-Marlins, Latin-based games at Lone Depot, we have this situation where we have to talk about the lack of fans in the stands for the Marlins themselves. Seemingly, when the WBC rolls in or the Caribbean series, er, let's just pause there a second. Is it the Caribbean series? Is it Caribbean? How do you pronounce that word in American? 95% of the listeners of this podcast are based in the States. You tell me, is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Caribbean kind of feels right. Caribbean is how we say it over here in the UK. Let me know. But nevertheless, the Caribbean Caribbean series. (laughs) I don't even know how to say it now. The Caribbean series is going on. And I must say, when you've got those big, Big countries going against each other, those big teams. What are you seeing? You're seeing packed out Lone Depot, which is great to see. And this is the funny thing. For the Marlins now and this organization and for Lone Depot Park, 
it, it's now positioning itself as a really good um a really good venue and a really good host for just baseball in general partic- particularly kind of latin themed baseball like Miami and Lone Depot it feels like it's it's a really good fit it's becoming a, like a destination ballpark however what this then does to us the diehard Marlins fans is just kind of remind you uh how little interest there is in the Marlins on a day-to-day basis through the regular season. And every time we have one of these like series, one of these tournaments, one of these events, it brings it home every time, right? Where you're like, man, they got 36,000 in there. The atmosphere looks electric. Why can't that happen for the Marlins every day? We're always having this. It's like a recurring, it's a recurring nightmare, isn't it? Like it just goes round and round and round. We have the same discussion. Hey, the, there's no parking nearby. There's no train transport. The ballpark's in a crappy place. The traffic's terrible. All of the things that exist with any major city and any major sporting event, uh, that's just the reality of the situation. They're just excuses. All of those situations occur elsewhere. Let's just cut through it all. And like, I've had this conversation and these thoughts. I keep on having these thoughts like annually at least. Let's just talk about it. Let's just call it out, right? What we did see last season from a Marlins perspective, there were a few games when when the crowds were really sizable. Those crowds being most sizable typically occurred on weekends and against huge market clubs. The Marlins and the ball, the ballpark may have been packed out, but it wasn't Marlins fans in there. It was half the other team. What that says is you've pretty much got like a diehard core of Marlins fans of about 15,000. Like that's kind of the number. The rest are the other clubs and the people there that follow the other club. So it ends up like not a home crowd, but like a 50-50 partisan crowd. So the diehard core for the Marlins is 15,000, give or take, you know, who are going to the ballpark pretty regularly. On weekends, it's even lower on weekdays, frankly. So we know where the kind of baseline is at and we know, you know, what happens and you can go, hey, the numbers were high and they were high, but they're high because it's the other club. It isn't the Marlins fans. They're not tapping into the community. It isn't like, oh, like the nearby, the nearby, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? The the nearby villages, whatever it might be, hamlets, (laughs) the nearby people, they're not coming. They don't come. The only extra boost you get is from the other clubs um, being well-supported and well-traveled fans. And so there's that. I just want to call that out. That's a known. Like, we can see that. Even when the ballpark's packed, it's packed because the other club is interesting and they have a big fan base. The other, And this is to mention, we then get it's like, well, if they're good, we will come. We've had that excuse. If the Marlins are good, we will come. Last year, the Marlins were good. They were in, they were the fifth best club in, in the NL. That's how it ended. They were right in the thick of it. And I remember the last week of the regular season where like the heat was on, not the Miami heat. I don't think they were on, but the heat, maybe they were on, but the heat was on for the Marlins. They were like in the thick of this playoff run, right? Absolutely in the thick of it. And I was thinking, these are like must win games. Huge games. Like, now is the time to get out there and go and, like, cheer on the Marlins and look for them to secure 
a wild card spot. That like that was what was they were they were fighting for, and they were fighting like tooth and nail. Like it was so close. So many clubs were in the hunt. The Marlins were in it. I looked around. I was just. I have to be honest with you. It was really disheartening. It was really discouraging. And I'm sure it feels the same to those in the Marlins organization, right? Where it's the last week of the season, they're in the hunt, and still no one showed up. I can't recall. I'd have to go and look and see who that final series at home was against. But I was stunned that no one was there. No one seemed to care that in a regular season running where the Marlins were in the hunt and they were good and they were fun, no one was there. So what does that say? What does that say? It says that things, you know, these excuses, it's even worse. It's even worse than that situation. What I would say is if the, the Marlins had a wildcard game, they had a postseason game, what, even just one at home, or it was, let's say it was a five-game five wildcard series, and the Marlins had at least one game. They'd hope to maybe have two, whatever it may be. What do you think the attendance would have been like for that postseason game or that postseason series? Would it have been packed or would it have been 15 to 20? You know what the answer is. It would be absolutely jam-packed. And this is the problem for the South Florida market that the Marlins operate in. Baseball and regular season baseball right now it's too long. It's not exciting enough. The game, like 81 home games, it's too many. Too many where it's boring. Too many where it's terrible. There's not enough juice in those 81 games. The market is event and sexiness driven. It is. And listen, a regular season game in Miami is just not a needle mover. It isn't. It's not enough of a needle mover to get people into the ballpark must watch. A postseason game is. It really is. I'm, you know, I'm disappointed we didn't see it, but I'm I'm 95% certain that if the Marlins had a postseason game last year, it would have been packed in Lone Depot and it would have been pumping. And we could have been pumping that everywhere to say, look, the Marlins do have fans. There is a fan base. There is. There are people interested in baseball. We see it. We see it. All around the, the region, we see it when these, you know, these events occur. There are baseball fans there. But frankly, they're not bothered about the regular season. The regular season is just too long, too slow, and too laborious for Miami. They've got better things to do. Better things to do than go and watch the Marlins against the Nats in September, even if it's in a run. It doesn't matter. They don't care. It's just another game. And that, that is the problem with the Miami market. The regular season of baseball is just not enough of a draw. No matter who they're playing, it does not matter. There's not enough of a draw. There's too many other things going on in that city, in that market, that takes attention away. I'm not from the market. I've not lived there. It's just my opinion. But I'm piecing it all together. The evidence is telling me that it isn't about are they good because they were good last year. No one came in the in the running. The ballpark does get packed out, but it only gets packed out against, you know, the big clubs. That says the core, the core fan base is about 15,000. It's the rest you're trying to tap into. But the rest is there because we see it's there 
Because when the Dominican Republic play Venezuela or Panama or whatever it might be, it's packed there. It's packed. They all flood in. The Latin market floods in because, A, it's an event. It's exciting. It's flair. It's what they want. Frankly, the Marlins and Major League Baseball and that product, it isn't that exciting. Like, we're fans. We're fanatics, obviously. But it isn't that exciting, to be honest, you know, to the casual. The atmosphere, it's bang average. It's, it's worse than average. It's poor. It's poor. The best thing going on is the fifth inning wave that fails as you get around the Budweiser bar. That's about as exciting as it gets from a fan perspective. I'm I'm only half I'm I'm half serious. I'm half joking. I haven't been at the ballpark since 2016, so I wouldn't know. Talking the nonsense, but oh man, the fans and this conversation comes round and round and round. And it's like, how do you solve this riddle? Will it ever be solved? Will they ever come? I put out there half jokingly. Just imagine if the Marlins just said, hell to it. We are not the Miami Marlins. We are the Dominican Marlins or we are the Venezuelan Marlins. We're going to run this organization like Athletic Bilbao runs their organization in Spain. If you're not familiar with that, they have an unwritten rule that only Basque players can play for Athletic Bilbao. You have to be a specific type of player, a specific type of heritage to be able to represent Athletic Bilbao. Just imagine if the Marlins went like that and they said, right, that's it. We're the Cuban Marlins, only Cubans for this organization or something along those lines. I wonder if that would create a different type of vibe, a different type of culture, and if people would get behind that. Like, would fans get behind that? Even if you weren't, if, let's say it was the Dominican Marlins. And this is, I'm just talking hypotheticals. I'm talking nonsense. But I just want to, you know, just consider it. Dominican Marlins, only Dominican players. They've got a big complex in the DR, obviously. It's a big market for the Marlins. But you're, a, you, you know, you you live in South Florida. Maybe you're, you know, born there. You're, you're American. Would you still go and watch the Dominican Marlins? Of course you would. You would do because they'd be fun. But you'd have all the Dominicans piling in. It'd become like, the you know, the thing. It'd be the thing. And I think maybe that's it for the Marlins. They're just missing the thing. They're missing the glue to bring it together. Some say that's winning. I'm still not convinced it is. I still think that's an excuse. There's so many excuses. And I think that is one of them. The traffic is bad. The, the ownership, bad. All of these things. But at the root of it, the true root in Miami is regular season baseball in the main is boring as hell. Not enough of a draw. Not enough of a needle mover in an event-driven city. Those events are 4th, 5th, 7th, ninth, 15th on the list that you can do. That's the reason that the fans will never come during the regular season. They will in the postseason. They'll show up then. Let me know your thoughts, though, guys. I know it's an emotive topic, and I am one of the least qualified to talk about it. So you tell me. We have this conversation every now and again on Lockdown Islands, and I'd love to hear from you guys. Right, guys. Let's now... Talk about our good friends over at FanDuel. Yes, sir. We need some graphics. We've got some graphics. Everything going to plan. Even on a Monday. And happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate from FanDuel. It is America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch. Yes, sir. Grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. FanDuel 
it's also about the halftime show as well, in many ways. Maybe the commercial. I mean, is it the commercials? The people love the commercials. Like maybe you do. I I'm not a big well. The UK feed doesn't actually get the US commercials, so that's a bit of a blow. I'd love. To, actually, I probably would find that in, in interesting. I'm very interested to see Usher though. It's going to be on fire. I think he's got a new album coming out right before well time. Some would say. Anyway, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a TD, how many points will be scored, who will win the coin toss probably, what color is the Gatorade going to be, so much more. All of these bets FanDuel will have you. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel. Dot com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt, on Monday, the 5th of Feb. I've had to go down this rabbit hole again. The fans, Marlins fans, will they ever come? I don't think they will in the regular season, to be honest with you, no matter what they do. It's pretty sad, but that's my assessment of the situation. That's what the evidence is telling me. Oh, boy. Let's talk about some big news in baseball that just dropped uh, a couple of hours ago. Bobby Witt Jr. signs a huge extension with the Kansas City Royals. Boy, oh, boy, the Kansas City Royals are absolutely going all in this offseason. I think their payroll now, like, I don't know if they've got any arbitration cases. I think their payroll is like upwards. It could be the highest in the division now. The Royals have just said, let's go. Let's go. And Bobby Witt Jr., big part of that for, uh, that franchise, that organization, um, you know, they've inked into what could be one of the largest contracts ever in baseball. Shohei Otani, number one on that list. Number two on that list, I believe Mike Trout. And number three on that list could be Bobby Witt Jr., if indeed he sees the entirety of this deal and all of the money. There are many options within this contract. So. Whether it ends up, you know, tolling out to the end, who knows? There's, But effectively, they're buying him out of ARB and then tagging on a load of player options and then a few team options at the back end. So, you know, an interesting commitment from a budding superstar. Why does this matter to Locked On Marlins? Firstly, it's big news, and the Marlins have not yet signed any free agents, and so we are still scrambling for content here, of course. But one other thing that we do consider and we do keep our eyes on is extensions and finding talent, developing talent, and extending talent, building around talent. The feedback by everyone, not just Royals fans, today in the last couple of hours has been supremely positive that this is a great deal for Bobby Witt Jr. Firstly, secondly, great for the Royals fans. The Royals fans are loving this huge for them. They as an organization are committing to a potential superstar. Let's see how it plays out. But from a fan base perspective, this is the commitment you're looking to make. You find studs and you extend them. You keep them. The Marlins did that, by the way, with Sandy Alcantara. So we have to call out that the Marlins 
have been down this path before. Not to the degree of Bobby Witt Jr., because clearly with the pitchers, there's a lot more risk, etc. But the Marlins have done that with Sandy. So it is not a situation where you can go, they have never done this in the last however long. The question will be is, with the new model in town, with the new front office, when will we see this again? Or will we ever see this of a, a Colt Keith situation? No, no major league ABs, Colt Keith extended. Bobby Witt Jr., couple of seasons. I think four more years of cost control on Bobby Witt Jr. Huge extension. We're building around him. 2023, great year. Plenty of power, speed, defense was top draw. Everything took a step forward, actually, in, in 23 versus 22 for him. So, fair play. But will we ever see it? And who will we see next? Who will be the next guy that the Marlins really, truly commit to? You've only got to look at, like, what are the options? Lewis Arai is one of them. At this point, it's pretty clear. Well, no, it isn't pretty clear. At this point, the assumption is that the Marlins won't be extending Lewis Arise. So, we've got a couple more years. Jesus Lozado, maybe? Three more years of control. We keep hearing his name in trade talks. We'll see. Who else? Jazz Chisholm Jr.? I mean, the funny thing is with Jazz, like, it's so hard to get a deal done because of the way he probably values himself. And the Marlins have a ton of risk because he can't, he's struggled to stay on the field. But, and I don't want to go down this path again with Jazz because as everyone knows that listens to this, I'm a huge Jazz fan. For various reasons, going back to um, the swag and the sexiness that you need to have on the field if you want to draw the fans. Like, Jazz, Jazz is exactly who the Marlins should be building around. He's everything that Miami market needs and wants. So, you know, why not, why not get a deal done with Jazz? Instead, the Marlins are zigging where the others zag. You know... The Royals extend their stud. What do the Marlins do? They take Jazz to arbitration for 300 grand. They have a 300 grand difference. They take him to arbitration and they win. Probably because they said, Jazz, we can't trust you. You stubbed your toe in the outfield and we missed you. Strike out tons and you can't hit lefties. Never will. You're not worth that, that money. <laughs> but who's the next guy up? Clearly... The most upside guy right now on the Marlins is Yuri Perez. Very young, but honestly, Yuri Perez, there's a, it depends on the innings, clearly at this point. I don't think he'll go over 160 and 24. I think they'll still have a degree of management, quite tight management around Yuri Perez, being how young he is. Honestly, every, like everything we see with his numbers, every time I see a tweet linked to Metric of this, metric of that, metric of everything. All I see is Yuri Perez's name on there. Like there's one, two, three guys on there. Always Yuri Perez in there. The dude has immense upside. Immense. I think there's a good chance we're going to see. I think we're going to see a massive upside from Jazz 2 in 24. I can just see it happening. I've said that every year. But finally, it's, it's, it's going to come true soon, right? Has to with Jazz. I think with Yuri Perez too. The challenge is the pitchers, though, right? And so the question for the Marlins is, how do they fully commit into Yuri Perez? And does he want to commit into the Marlins? I think there's a deal to be done with Yuri. Again, does it fit the model? 
Does it fit the model, the race model? And actually, just one thing going back to the fan situation, um, because I forgot to mention this. One of the other, like, one of the other uh, evidence-based situations we have. The Rays up the road um, who have been very successful, particularly you know, regular season, but have had a World Series appearance too recently. The Rays have been ultra successful for the last however many seasons, four, five, six, whatever it is. Um, they they still can't draw anything. Even in the postseason, still couldn't draw. And, you know, a lot of people point to, again, the ballpark and all the, you know, the usual excuses. The one of them, the one excuse and the one thing that does resonate with me is maybe the model, the model of just churn, play a churn. And as soon as you get good and you get expensive, moved, churn, churn, churn. Like, if you're trying to tap into a market, you need, you need people to build around. You have to have people to build around that the kids will be drawn to. You need to have Bobby Witts. Bobby Witt Juniors, I guess. Jazzism Juniors. Any junior, it seems. You know, just get anyone in with a junior and they're going to be good. But you need that. And the model the Rays seemingly have, have utilized the past however many seasons has been like just, you know, good, expensive, churn, 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 churn. I don't know. Yuri Perez is the one. What about coming through the pipe? You know, who else could potentially have this type of like early-ish extension? Like Yuri's the obvious one. Has the time come and gone? I still don't think it has. I still think there's an opportunity to get it done. Um, who else? Not sure, frankly. Not sure. Jake Berger, maybe? Jake Berger's got so much control remaining. It's just, it's obscene what Kim Ang did with that deal, frankly. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Briefly going to touch on the shortstop free agent market. You know, me and Sean Lucy covered this last week, but did want to, you know, th there's some buzz, you know, knocking around now. It's driven by the fact that the Orioles uh, did a deal with the Brewers. So this this trade that's been kind of come in, that's been ready to rock, ready to drop, Craig Mish has been talking about. It's pretty clear based on the feedback on, on Twitter via, you know, from Craig is he was expecting a deal with the Marlins and Orioles to come to fruition where a pitcher goes and potentially a... Uh, uh, a shortstop came to Miami as part of that deal. The Orioles zigged away from that, zagged away from that, ended up acquiring Corbin Burns. Frankly, probably would have been a better pitcher than they would have acquired from the Marlins, potentially. Nevertheless, Corbin Burns he is a rental. But the Orioles with a new, a new ownership group uh, and plenty of money to burn, potentially, because you know they've effectively got relatively low payroll, a lot of talent there, a lot of very young talent. So... Corbin Burns, in, you know, fills definitely uh, a situation for them. But that that torpedoed a deal that the Marlins and Craig Mish I, I felt that was close. What does that mean? You go into plan B. We, we may be even further down the alphabet. We may be plan F at this point at shortstop. That then takes it to the Marlins are looking at the free agent market. Who are they looking at? All the names we talked about last week. Tim Anderson. We're talking about uh, Ahmed Rosario. We're talking about, I don't even, we're, we're talking about all of them. We're talking about every single one of them. Interested to see what they do, you know, whether they do actually pull the trigger on a, you know, a, a free agent one-year deal. We're getting so close to spring now that you'd almost just want to kind of ride it out and just see, like, what what some of these guys have done in the off-season. Like, 
what have they done? How do they look? What's going to be possible here? We shouldn't forget the fact that last year, the Marlins had Joey Wendell at shortstop for the majority of the season. And he was putrid. And so anything average, like zero war, will be an improvement. So the bar isn't hugely high, to be honest with you. And John Birdie could do it, no doubt. I think Vidal Bruhan could do it. And I, I, I like the tools that Bruhan brings, particularly if the defense is good, if he can make the defense work, feel like the stick. I've already talked about it. I could see him like in the most unlikely situation, but likely getting 100 stolen bags. Like if he can get on base enough, like I could see that happening. So yeah, I think it's interesting that the Marlins are back around to the shortstop free agent market. This kind of shortstop trade acquisition situation seemingly has gone up in flames. Now the Orioles have gone in a different direction, leaving the Marlins kind of sitting there thinking, okay, where else can we go? That's going to wrap us up for Lockdown Marlins on Monday, the 5th of Feb, guys. Thanks for joining me and making Lockdown Marlins your first listen. I'll be back tomorrow, and we'll be with the UK GOAT, uh, Sean Barrett, of course. I do want to talk about my good friend, Willie, and I want to talk about Willie Adames. This connects into the Brewers making that move. So we're going to talk about whether the Marlins could and should pull the trigger on a deal for Willie Adames. Look forward to speaking to you then. I'll see you soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.